This is episode one of our season on turning your portrait hobby into a portrait business. In today's episode, Eric and I take a bird's eye view of the steps a person should take to shift their photo hobby into a business and talk about the changes in format of our show. Then on our second segment, Sticking Points, I sit down with Caden of 365th Street Photography to discuss blogging and posting on social media more effectively. Welcome to the Portrait Session Podcast, a show for portrait photographers who want to dominate their industry. With your hosts, Erica Kay and Connor Hibbs. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the new format of Portrait Session. My name's Connor Hibbs, and I'm here with Miss Erica Kay today. How are you doing, Erica? I'm great, Connor. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. I'm I'm super excited about all of the changes that we have coming to the show, and I'm Me excited too. to be back on our own feed. Um, so many cool things for us to go over. So many um, exciting things. So before we get into today's topic, we just want to talk a little bit on this podcast about what the new format's going to look like and how how you will expect things to be different. Already, you've you've heard that we have a new intro style and a new theme song and things like that. Um, but beyond that, we have a few new ways that we're going about doing this. So we're going to be recording all of these episodes in seasons. Um, that's going to allow us to sit down and record through a bunch of episodes so we can actually make sure that we're consistent in posting because we feel your pain in getting interested in a show and then having something go two or three weeks and have kind of an unreliable schedule. So we really want to hold ourselves accountable for that and figure out a solution that's going to allow us to be more consistent in the way that we post. Um, the, the other thing about that is it's going to allow us to really focus our attention for a couple of months on different subject matter. So obviously with this season, we're going to be talking about how to turn your portrait photography hobby into a business. Some of you, we, we know that everybody has kind of varying stages that they are with everything, but I think whether or not you already have a business, all of this information is going to be really useful for you. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, totally. Um, a few other things of note is that uh, Eric and I have had a lot of conversation about just being able to be ourselves on the podcast. We want to make sure that we stay as friendly as we can to all of our listeners. Um, but we also feel like sometimes trying to be overly family friendly can... Um, stifle the way that we talk a little bit <laughs> so it, it's not to say that we're going to be dropping f-bombs every every other second or so but we want to warn you now that um, we're going to allow ourselves the liberty to start saying adult words from time to time because we're adults and realistically both of us talk off the cuff and get passionate and heated about things and it can really hurt our flow sometimes if we have just a, a word that suits that phrase or thought that we have and we're not <laughs> able to say it so um warning we might start using a little bit more adult language we're not going to be crazy about it i promise but just <laughs> when we were you know. yeah exactly when we were at the retreat i i used a couple of choice words in some of my presentations and i had a couple people come up to me after presentations and they were just so shocked that eric <laughs> k cusses and i'm like you know the I, 
my persona on the podcast is very much a representation of working for somebody else and, you know, just trying to make it as family friendly as possible. And like Connor said, we still want to do that. But we now that we're taking more ownership of the show and everything is being transitioned to us as owners of Portrait Session, we need to make sure that it is definitely more in line with our personalities and how we talk in real life so that when we do custom presentations in real life, you're not like completely shocked that we (laughs) are normal people. Um, So, yeah. You'll hear some words. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you have a problem with that, um, I hope that you can get over it. If not, it, I'll, I'm sorry, but that's just the way that things are going to be. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so th- th- there's the warning there. So taking that in mind, um, we're also going to be adding a new segment to this show. So the first segment is going to be pretty much the exact same as what you're used to. It's going to be just us talking about whatever the subject matter that um, we are going to be talking about that week is. Um, but then we're going to have a, a short intermission between the, the two segments and go into a new segment that we call sticking points. So in sticking points, we are going to both Erica and I, not necessarily together, we are going to sit down with listeners and talk with them about the struggles that they're having in building a business, in their portraiture, whether it be technical, business-related, uh, marketing, whatever it might be. Uh, we just want to make ourselves available for a mentorship in a different kind of way that is going to allow all of you to benefit from us helping each other. So if you happen to be interested in joining in on sticking points, you can go to our website. It is the portraits or not the portrait. It's just portrait session podcast.com. And there's a little box right at the header that says sticking points. And you can go fill out a little application. It just sends me your email, the problem that you're having. And I, Either Erica or myself will get back to you and we will set up a time where we can record uh, that segment and add that in the second part of the show. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that that's the main portion of the changes. Obviously, we're here on our new feed now. We would love if you recommend our show to other people so we can kind of get our subscriber base back to where it was before. Um, at this point, we're we're excited to be back so we want to build things back up and um, help as many photographers as we possibly can absolutely awesome um so for today's episode we're just going to do an overview of the steps to establishing your portrait business so this episode is going to kind of be a summary of what the rest of the season is going to be about um so if there's anything that you feel like we didn't quite get to in a specific enough topic don't you worry because we're going to have a full episode on each of these steps that we talk about later on in our season So, overview of the steps to establishing your portrait business. Um, We're approaching this from the standpoint of a person who is maybe just, they're getting into their portrait photography, they're really interested in not just taking photos of their friends, but actually making this into a business, and we wanted to ask, what steps do you need to take in order to change your portrait hobby into a business? So, Erica, I kind of was the one that established the steps here, but I feel like you're probably in agreement with most of these steps in the order that I put them in. Um, but feel free to say if you disagree with anything. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I think that the first and most important step to starting a portrait business is just having an understanding of what kind of portrait business you want. Uh, do you agree with that? Does that make sense to you, Erica? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. You have to know what you want to do before you can really do anything else, because that's probably going to affect the decision you make about your business name. It's going to affect your you know, website design, how you register your business. It's going to really affect every 
choice you make about your business. So it's really important to take some time before you get into the process of registering and officially making your hobby into a business to think about what you want that business to look like. And as we know, you know, if you're interested in portrait photography, you know that there's all kinds of different types of portrait photography. You know, there's babies and kids and seniors and couples and weddings and glamour and all that kind of stuff. There's tons of fashion, fashion yeah. yeah, headshots, corporate. I mean, there's just almost an endless selection of of types of portrait photography. So you have to figure out what it is you love to do, what it is you hate to do, and make some decisions based on how you want to structure structure your business um, in relation to those things that you love and you hate. Yeah. And and I, I understand that it can be kind of a, an intimidating notion to say that um, you have to pick what you want to do right now, right at the start, right uh, before you have anything done. And it, so it's not to say that you can't change further down the line. Um, and it's not to say that you necessarily have to pick exactly one thing. But I think it's really important to just think about um, what what actually interests you. What What is your goal with this business? Um, who would you like to work with? And um maybe not make a mistake that I see that happens pretty frequently, which is just people jumping into making money and just doing anything that somebody asks of them. And, and that that's good and fine for, you know, helping to replace gear and having kind of a hobbyist attitude about it. But if you want to make this a business, I think it's important to understand what your business is going to be all about. Yeah, for sure. And there's always conversation and debates about specializing versus not specializing. And there's tons of successful photographers out there who don't specialize. They shoot everything. And we'll talk about this more when we when yeah, we have our in detail right thankfully when, this one's going to be our next episode right but. it's our second episode of the season but you have to just you have to think about specializing and really focusing not only your business on something but your education and your mindset and training and everything so that you can really find a genre or a couple of genres that you can master um, so that you're providing the best service possible to your clients yeah, absolutely. So um, once once you have a, a general idea of what kind of portrait business you want, it's important because we're going to be treating this like a business to establish that business as a legal entity, um, both for legal purposes and for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so again, we're going to go into more detail about exactly how to do this, where to go. Um, for this, but you you really need to consider both the legal ramifications and the taxable ramifications of your business structure on your business, and what's going to work well for you now. It, it's something that you it's not you're not stuck with one thing over another um, forever, but you're probably not going to be changing from a sole proprietorship to an LLC within the first six months of starting. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're going to want to operate probably on a year by year basis, and it's under it's important to have an understanding of not just um, the fees that go into establishing yourself as one way or another, but also the protections that you get from a legal standpoint um, and the way that you pay taxes um, based on those decisions that you make. So it's important to to be well informed about this and get that established early on in building your business. Yeah, absolutely. And it's confusing. There are lots of different types of IRS classifications that you can choose from. Each one has, you know, different benefits, different drawbacks. It's confusing. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this. And I I really encourage you guys, if you're at this 
point in your business, or even if you're at the point in your business where you need to rethink what you're registered as, go to the SBA website. It's the Small Business Association. It's a federal website, federal government agency, sba.gov. And they have a whole section dedicated to specifically to this, helping you decide which which classification you should choose, giving you education about all of those classifications and what they mean, helping you register to get your um, your tax ID number if you need it, how to file with the state, all the kind of stuff is covered in there. So it's a really great resource for people who are either doing this for the first time or who are maybe possibly interested in, in changing your classification if you've already done it in the past. Yeah, this, this is definitely something to um, keep in mind and consider even as you're moving through business and year after year, um, keeping in mind, okay, based on how much money I've made, is it a good idea for me to change classifications? Um, and and yeah, so we'll, we'll get into some of the more detailed minutia of that. It's, it's kind of a... a technical jargony podcast for sure for that episode but it's gonna be super exciting yeah yeah and i i would say that this is we have it listed as as step two i mean i know a number of people that will start making money before they have any kind of legal entity set up i i i'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad idea but uh it's it's good for this to be a consideration earlier rather than later. Um, it's pretty easy to maintain. So even if you realize that you want to change things and move your business in a different direction, it, it's not too hard for you to uh, keep all of this set up the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I personally am an advocate for pretty early on. If you're considering making a business, set it up um, from a legal standpoint so you don't get in trouble later on. Absolutely. So kind of a follow up to that, um, our our next step in our order of operations in starting your business from a hobby is accounting and finances. So this is something that kind of goes along with the tax stuff and is going to be informed a bit by the way that you file everything. Um, But it's pretty important as a business to not just run everything through your personal accounts. And so opening a bank account is for your business is definitely a step that you're going to want to take. You're not going to be able to do that until you have step two taken care of, though, which is another one of the reasons why I say it's important to start with that pretty early on Mm -hmm. in in this conversation. Exactly. You have to have a tax ID number for your business in order to set up a business bank account. So the the order that we're talking about things here is pretty important. Not everything, you know, has to be done in this order, but this is one thing that does definitely need to be done in this order. And as Connor said, if you are going to operate as a business or open a business, you need to make sure you have a separate account for that. Keep it com- completely separate from your personal account. The very first piece of advice I was given when I was registering my business was open a business bank account. Do not let your personal finances get mixed in with your business finances. Now, it's fine to like, you know, if you need to transfer some money over, if you want to pay yourself and just transfer money into your personal account or whatever, that's fine. But you have to make sure that your business transactions, incoming and outgoing, are coming from your business bank account and are not getting mixed in with your personal transactions. Definitely so. And and that's something that um, I've had trouble with in the past is it's just so easy for me to, I know I have money in my business account and I can just pull out my debit card and pay for a thing really quickly. But it's also not <laughs> yeah. terribly hard if I'm low on money in my personal account to 
give myself a payroll and and pay myself into my personal account, exactly. mark that down as wages, and then use that. I mean, it's literally opening up an app and transferring from one account to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that and how to keep your books looking nice and straight and uh, making your life easier come tax time. Absolutely. Awesome. So the next step that I wrote down here, you might disagree with me on this one, Erica, uh, but the next one that I wrote down is portfolio building and culling. Um, this is something that I, I think that if you're thinking about having a business, you probably already have some sort of portfolio together. But because you now have a, a more targeted direction for your business, you're not just shooting anything and everything people related. You're really trying to build a business. I think it's important to make sure that you're not just throwing everything everything at your portfolio. I think that it's important to call and really make sure that your portfolio is showing off your work in the best light. So it's this is the time when I think that you really need to be choosy. But I also think that there's a right way and a wrong way to build a portfolio. And and we'll talk a little bit more in detail about my feelings on that later. I think that that episode is going to be an entire opinion piece there. <laughs> Probably. And I do not disagree with you about this. I think this All is right. a really important step of the you know, development of a business. But what I do think with this step is that this should be an ongoing step. This is not one of those that like you get your business set up and then you do this and then you do this and this and this. This is one of those things that you should be doing throughout the whole process before you set your business up during your your time with your lawyer and accountant while you're setting up your business and then continuing to do that throughout the duration of your career. You constantly should be shooting new things, adding new things to your portfolio, updating your website, showing the world what you want to shoot and how you shoot it and what you can offer to clients. So this is one of those steps that is super important and that you should be doing all the time. Yeah, yeah. That that was kind of the reason that I was worried that you might disagree with me about the, the placement of it, because I, I had to put this in somewhere. I think that it's an important <laughs> conversation and a detailed episode that we can we really need to get into how to do this well but you're right it is something that is kind of an ongoing conversation that you constantly need to have with yourself and not only add to your portfolio um as you're going along but take stuff away um maintaining and um curating your portfolio is definitely a very important factor in um, maintaining a business absolutely awesome um so my next step here is pricing yourself and that is that's going to be a complicated um, topic to get into. Yeah. It's going to be a we good... We can have a whole season on pricing. <laughs> Seriously. And and who knows? Maybe down the line, we'll we'll go even further into that. But yeah. uh, the, the basic idea that I have here is that we all probably have an okay understanding of what other people in our region are charging. And that's that's good and fine and all but i i think that too many photographers will go in and start pricing themselves specifically based on their market and not based on a sustainable business so it's one thing to have a market that is filled with tons and tons of hobbyists or um semi-pros people that don't have to rely on their income um that can then price a little bit lower than what they probably should because they're just looking at what everyone else is doing so i think that it's really important to start by learning how to price your services based on what you actually need to have a sustainable business and then from there maybe go into paying attention to markets a little bit more and figuring out how you can actually be um competitive at that point 
I agree. And I'm not going to say anything else because <laughs> I will get us into this deep, dark wormhole that we'll never be able Ugh. to get out of. So I'll just save that for that episode. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's going to be a, um, a contentious episode for sure. Oh. Awesome. Um, so next we have our business model and customer experience. Um, this is another step that I kind of feel like needs to be in mind throughout the whole process, but you eventually need to come to a point where you actually write down what you want your business model to be and how you want your customers to experience your business. So um, the way that I think about this is what are you selling and how are you selling it? Is that different than the, than the rest of the market around you? If so, how are you going to be able to make that marketable? to other people. Um, so from the back end, just, just how is your business set up to make money is a really important question to have an answer to. Not just saying, well, I'm going to take photos and I charge this amount for it. And you say, okay, but but like, what are your deliverables? Are you just giving them everything? Is there a certain, like, are there packages that you're offering? Um, why is your pricing set that way? And so it kind of goes along with pricing, um, which is why I said it right after that. But um, I think that pricing is more just figuring out income needs and what you need to make. And then business model comes down to, okay, well, how are you going to make that money? Mm -hmm. And then from the other side of that, the customer experience, how do you want the, the customer from emailing you for the first time or calling you or however they're getting in contact with you? How do you want that customer's experience to flow through your business model? And, and I think that that's a really important conversation to have. And those things kind of, they're, they're different, but they kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of the, the back end versus the front end of that structure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really excited about this one because I think anybody that has attended any of my presentations or lectures or probably anybody who's listened to Portrait Session all the way through knows that I talk a lot about the client experience. So I'm yeah. super excited to talk about it in more detail and share some ideas and some things to think about as you're starting your business so that you can start off on the right foot. Because this is a huge aspect of marketing, of branding, of just really establishing a business. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of photographers overlook. They're just so worried about shooting and making money and gear that they really forget about treating clients well so that they can continue to have clients and get clients. Um, yeah. So this one will be a really important episode and I'm super excited to talk about it. Yeah, I'm I I'm excited to let you take the reins on that one because <laughs> I feel like you have a much more solid idea of exactly what you want. I I not to say that I slack in this regard, but I think that you have um an even more formal structure for the way that you think about these things. And yeah. I do. So, and I think it's different. It can be different depending on what type of, of portrait photography you're doing. So for you, Connor, you're doing a lot of corporate work, so there's not yeah. going to be a lot of relationship building there. But for me working with, with couples and, and weddings, especially there is a lot of relationship building there because we're spending so much time together. It's very personal. It's, it's just the couple and me and, and Antonio, my fiance, who's my second shooter, Whereas you're, you know, I'm not shooting, you know, 50 people in front of a backdrop for headshots. Like it's a very personal experience. So my customer experience will be very different to what your corporate clients customer experiences are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. And I, and I think that that's one of the reasons that I don't do nearly as many weddings as I used to is because I, I see the importance of maintaining those customer relationships in a wedding in a way that, um, 
with corporate clients, uh, you're typically dealing with, we're, we can get into this later. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I just about spiraled out there, but I, I it, it's definitely an important thing to think about whether or not you're in a more business formal setting or in a, um, a, a dealing with a single couple for months at a time. Right. Um, it's important to have an understanding of how you want your customers to experience your business. Absolutely. So our our next step here is going to be similar to a previous step that we had, but this one is the portfolio display and branding. Um, So before we were talking about, okay, well, how do you pick the images that you're going to be showing? And this step is more about, okay, well, how are you going to show those things? And how how are all of the other materials, how is your copy, the things that you write on your your website, wherever wherever you're showing this work, how is that going to help um, solidify your brand even further so people remember you over somebody else? how how is your work going to stand out not just for the images but also everything else that you want to speak to the client about what you're all about as a business i feel like that was a weird sentence <laughs> i understood you okay i have your back <laughs> yeah and and branding is super important to think about because it is all encompassing you know your brand is not just your logo or the colors or your t- the type of font you use it is uh, completely representative of your of your business and your brand really is you and how you project yourself and your business to the world. So, you know, you need to think about those normal things that we think about with branding, like logos and colors and fonts and business cards and things like that. But you also have to think about how you're displaying it on your website, how you're displaying it on your social, how you are um, sharing your client experience with the world. All of these things and more are aspects of branding. And I think a lot of people focus just on the the initial aspects of colors and logo and they forget forget about the rest of the important pieces of branding um so i think this is going to be another one that will probably get us sucked down into a wormhole of of ideas and and things that we can talk about that fall under the branding title or umbrella um, but that a lot of people might not realize are actually a part of branding yeah, absolutely. It's it's something that I mean, as you said, people will pick out their colors and their logo, and they'll spend so much time on those things, and realize that that's really only just a portion of the branding. That's it's nice to have. It's important to have, uh, but then they forget about all of the other things that are like, um, I don't know, the copy, the words that they have on their website, and things yeah. like that. So they'll focus all of their time making sure that their website looks beautiful, and then not speak to their client at all through that. And that's a super important part of branding. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, um, so our our next step in building your business from a hobby is step eight, which is building an organic web presence. So there's people constantly will ask me questions about marketing and how to um, do their marketing properly. And I think that the first step that is the most important is to make sure that you're actually being seen by people that are just randomly searching. And um, so we're going to talk about how to, to get a nice organic web presence through your social media, through Google pages, through SEO and mobile optimization. Mm-hmm. And this is super important. And this is something that we probably could, and again, do a whole uh, season on because there's just so much to being yes. an online, primarily an online business. It, it is it's hard and it's a lot of work and there's a lot of factors to consider. And there's a lot of people who do, you know, eat, 
any of these or all of these services for a living and make a lot of money doing it. And it's because it's so important for people who are either primarily online or who are using most most of their marketing energy in the online um, world. So so this is a really important episode and it's it's going to be super useful whether you are just establishing or already established or ready to retire, <laughs> you know, any <laughs> at any stage of your business. This information, especially in this this episode, will be really, really useful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our next step is to develop additional marketing strategies. So this is kind of a follow up to the organic web presence, um, organic web presence being kind of uh, just making sure that you're out there for people to find you if they're searching around or if they happen to interact with you in the world and they want to look you up. You want to make sure that your stuff is there. But now now when you're talking about additional marketing strategies, I think this is the area that a lot of people have a lot of struggles with and and questions about. And it's really just about making sure that whatever methodology you want to use to make sure that you are reaching the right clientele, you are setting up a platform not only to show yourself in front of them, to to get your your business in front of their eyeballs, but also giving them a path to actually act upon seeing you. Um, and so, so there are so many, so many ways this really, this couldn't just be a season. It could be, it is its own podcasts. Yeah. Um, there, there are tons and tons of podcasts that are just purely dedicated towards marketing and marketing strategies. There are even podcasts that are dedicated to individual types of strategies. Mm-hmm. So this is one that we will kind of give our personal opinions on things that we find that work well um, and maybe talk about pros and cons of different types of methodologies, but also talking about things that we, that at least I know I see people making mistakes with all the time where um, this is something that oftentimes people understand that they need marketing, but then don't go about having a strategy with it. So Mm -hmm. they just will throw stuff. uh, It's the throw everything to the wall and see what sticks, whatever that phrase is. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So (laughs) we'll, we'll talk about how to get beyond just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and actually having a, a plan to be able to execute on marketing. Yeah. And this is another one of those kind of like branding where photographers in my in my experience anyway people that I've mentored kind of forget about this aspect of building a business and it's one of the most important steps of the business again because without marketing you're not going to be able to reach clients it's so important that at my studio we have an employee that is strictly for marketing so she is responsible for everything marketing related because it's it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort if you're going to do it right and if I'm always a person to say, if you don't have the time or the desire or the energy to do something and do something well, then outsource it and have somebody else do it for you. So um, there are people out there that do marketing for a living. There are students and universities who are studying marketing and communication and who are looking for internships. There are tons of opportunities for you to be able to market and market well, even if you are not good at it yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and talking uh... I keep on wanting to get further into this than I know. Than I probably I know. I'm should. so sorry. I just keep going. <laughs> but yes, it is something that if if you don't feel like you can handle, it is definitely something that you can outsource. But we're going to talk about um, ways that you probably can handle in your day to day building a marketing strategy that's going to work for you that you could maybe even then turn or hand off to um, another person as they come in. Mm hmm. So our our next step that we have here is finding success and how to manage your transition from a day job to a job as a photographer. 
this is this is going to be kind of more of a, a mental episode making sure that um you're keeping the right kind of mindset as you go through this process um this is something that i now have some personal experiences of what it's like when you do it poorly uh, because (laughs) i did transition from a day job to a job as a photographer and i was really bad about things like setting boundaries on my business and learning to say no to certain things and learning that at actually is totally okay to do that and that it helps your business if you say no sometimes um but it's making sure that you're setting aside proper time not only for your life outside of photography but setting aside time to do management and administrative uh, and administrative stuff and mm-hmm. um, and marketing and and marketing and all of the yeah. not as fun stuff that is behind the scenes um that is not right on the forefront of your business. Absolutely. Now I'm sitting here like listening to all of this and thinking about everything we said. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, we probably just scared away anybody (laughs) who's interested in starting a business. Ah, Please don't be scared. It is amazing and wonderful and especially wonderful to be your own boss and to make your own schedule and all those things are so awesome but it takes work and it's not just work on photography it's work on establishing a business and that's what that's why we're doing this season because we know that a lot of you are wonderful photographers and and are ready to take that step or have recently taken that step and we want to make sure that you can actually succeed with this new business by doing the things that you might not be thinking about, the things that you need to do to make your business thrive and survive and all that kind of stuff. So don't be scared. We're going to help you. We're going to walk you through the process. We're going to give you recommendations. Um, we can't physically hold your hand, but you know we would love to do that virtually. Um, so don't be afraid to reach out and ask us questions after you hear an episode. If you have follow-up questions, email us. We have an email address portrait session podcast at gmail.com you can post on our facebook group our portrait session podcast facebook group feel free to continue this conversation as you hear these episodes because we want to make sure we're answering all the questions that we can and supporting you in the best way that we can absolutely and and i'm going to just hammer again on that portrait session facebook page this is a place where people have been going for a number of years to um, post their different photos and getting critique on the technical side but i want to also encourage people to go there and ask their business questions and um if they have questions about things that we're talking about as we're going through this season um please go there and ask questions i try and at least get on there once a day if I can um, and just make sure that if other people aren't responding that I try and get in there and help as much as I can because um, it's it's a great community of people and it's something that has recently opened back up to us again along with all of these other changes so mm-hmm. if you're not already a part of the Portrait Session Podcast listeners group um, just search out Portrait Session Podcast on Facebook um, you, you have to answer a question you just the question is what what are the hosts of Portrait Session so you can say Eric or Connor, you don't have to spell it right, anything like that. We'll just see that you know who we are and we'll approve you. Um, but that's that. So that that's today's episode. Um, I think right after this, we will put in our first segment of sticking points. Absolutely. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Udemy, the largest marketplace for online learning.
Whether you want to learn something new or just sharpen your skills, Udemy has an extensive library of over 65,000 courses taught by expert instructors. Ever find yourself thinking, I wish I could do that? Well, with Udemy, you can. From web development to digital marketing to Japanese cooking courses, Udemy has something for everyone. While other online learning companies charge hundreds of dollars per class, Udemy courses start at just $11.99. Plus, every course comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee for risk-free learning. Every day, students around the world choose Udemy to discover new passions, expand their skills, and even change careers. Improve your life through learning. Download the Udemy app to learn anytime, anywhere, or just go to www.ude.my slash improve today. That's www.ude.my slash improve. Welcome back to Portrait Session. My name is Connor Hibbs, and you're now listening to our newest addition to the show, which is a segment called Sticking Points. So every week on Sticking Points, either Erica or myself are going to sit down with a listener just like you and discuss your goals in photography and give you some mentoring and um, advice on how to get over some of the hurdles that are you're finding on your path. So in general, we're just going to be talking about the main thing that you feel is currently holding you up in your path right now. Um, so if you would like to receive one of these one-on-one mentoring sessions and be featured on the show, you can go over to our website at portraitsessionpodcast.com and click on the little link that says sticking points. Um, from there, you'll just be taken to a little web form that you fill out a submission that just lets us know a little bit about who you are and what it is that you would like some help on so we can kind of brainstorm and think about how we can possibly help you better. And We'll get back to you as soon as we can with that. Um, We also have our regular working photography jobs. Um, It is now my day job, so I'm going to call it my day job. So I have my day job. I can't respond super quickly all the time, but I will do my best to get back to everybody as quickly as possible. Um, So again, just go to portraitsessionpodcast.com and click on sticking points. So anyway, today I am joined by Caden. How are you doing today, Caden? I'm doing good. That's that's awesome. Um, and let's see, your, your photography business is 365th Street Photography, is that? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, th- tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're working towards in your photography. Is this something that you're trying to make into a large business or um, is it a side hustle? Like, what, what do you, where are you? What are, what are you doing with photography? Uh, so right now it's a side hustle because I just graduated high school and so it's always... <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's a side hustle. It'll probably always remain that way. Um, but right now I am shooting mostly seniors and families and I've shot a couple of weddings. I've, lo- I've found I liked it. And so I want to break more into that. Um, so in, into the, the, the weddings or the families, I'm sorry. Weddings. Sorry. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my hope It's breaking the weddings. Um, I've got four coming up. So, Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's, that's pretty stellar for wanting to break into that. That's, that's a really good start. Thank you. Yeah, most certainly. So, so is this, you're, you're, you were telling me a little bit that you're planning on going to school to, um, seminary school. Um, so is the hope that photography will be a lifelong side hustle? Or are you, you kind of thinking of how, how are you envisioning photography in the future for yourself? Uh, well, I want to be a pastor. Um, and so it'll definitely always be a side hustle. Um, it's definitely a way to yeah. uh, supplement that income. And so, that's really helpful. And 
or I wish I could do it full time, but I mean, pastoring has always been more hard and so. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, I mean, I think that oftentimes we talk about on the show, um, having the goal of going full time in this and I'm trying to be more and more cognizant of the fact that that's not going to be everybody's goal. And I want to be supportive of the fact that, you know, it's totally okay if you don't want to make that your main thing. Um, if you have other interests and passions that you feel like would be a more viable career and you want to make portrait photography, a side business, or, um, the, even if you want to keep it as a hobby, I think that that's totally acceptable um so anyway where, where can people find you on social media and the like so like you said my name is 365th street photography um so that's pretty much everyone on social media um twitter max me out on it so it's like at 365th street but pretty much just the name. yep oh okay and and um it's it's 365th yeah. and street spelled out correct yeah cool what, what what came about or what brought about the name <laughs> everyone asks that it's not a real crazy story um <laughs> so so i wanted to do one of those uh 365 projects that they always um, put out yeah, and, totally. and i just never found the time to do that and but i like the sound of the 365 i'd always wanted to treat my name because i always th- thought that sounded really really cool and so it just kind of merged them and it stuck fair enough man so so let's talk a little bit about what you feel like is the thing that is currently holding you back i know that in your um form submission that you said that it's kind of a marketing social media but i'd like to hear more from your words what what you feel like it is about that that you're getting stuck on like what what issues are you having with that blogging and social media are both areas in that that i've had trouble with in the area of marketing um just because when i like write posts and write blogs i feel like it's not my true voice and I feel like either over enthusiastic and people are getting annoyed or something like that. And I just don't know what to say and um, how frequently to post them, stuff like that. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's a little bit of the scheduling and then also just feeling comfortable in going about doing that. Is that, is that kind of yeah. the summary of how you're feeling yeah. with it? And content for blogs. Cause I don't know what to write about in there. Cause you can only say thank you for shooting with me so much. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It, 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 I really can relate to that. I actually, I don't blog on my website and I probably should. Um, I've tried to supplement that a little bit from the SEO side by, um, my website is very wordy on, on the homepage and it, it has definitely helped me, but I'm sure that if I were to, um, blog in a more official capacity and really target in on keywords and things like that, that, um, it would help all the more. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit more about feeling like you don't have the right voice in your writing. Um, you're saying that, that it's mostly that you feel like you're way too enthusiastic and happy and that just doesn't, um, feel true to the message that you want to portray, or is it just not, not quite your style? And then when, is it a concern that when somebody is going to actually interact with you via email or the phone or in person during your shoot, that it's going to seem completely incongruent? So when I do this, my struggle is like I'm enthusiastic. Sometimes I feel the point that it's annoying, but um, like when person, I'm a happy person, but I'm not always energetic and stuff. And, uh, and you write in an energetic tone of voice. Is that? Yeah. Kinda... Because I've noticed like through texting and through emails and stuff that, um, it's very easy to take things, um, or there's no easy way to show emotion over text. And so I try to be enthusiastic so that yeah. people know I'm being happy. And I'm not like super down and super depressing. So, so then you end up using exclamation points at the end of every single sentence yes. and things of that sort. <laughs> yep. Just like that. <laughs> I, I, 
I feel you there. And sometimes I'll have to go back and edit through my emails and texts and things before I send them to say, okay, which one of these statements can I remove an exclamation point from and still sound like I'm not angry all of a sudden in the middle of this otherwise enthusiastic word, this enthusiastic sentence. Um, I, I think that maybe the, this is a hard one because this is something that is kind of more of, of an internal problem and um, feeling like you're acting overly enthusiastic is definitely a concern. But I also think that the way that you stated that you are worried that you're annoying people with that kind of enthusiasm. Um, I I'd just like to point out that this person is contacting you. This person is interacting with you or reading your blog, whatever it is that they're reading, they have taken the time to stop whatever else they're doing in this really busy um, digital world and read the thing that you've written. And if they're continuing to read, they're not going to get annoyed. And I, I think that if you feel like you're genuinely a pretty happy person and that even if you're not a super high energy person, I think that, um, all of us are getting very used to seeing exclamation points used in that kind of capacity in, in a way that just denotes, Hey, I'm happy and excited, and enthusiastic instead of being more, I'm shouting at you. I think that all caps writing in all capital letters can definitely come off as shouting and sound much louder in a writer's tone. But I think that exclamation points, uh, it's, it's a tricky thing that I think that, um, Socially, we're all kind of getting more used to seeing just as a way to denote energy and enthusiasm and excitement. And it, it doesn't necessarily, whenever I read exclamation points, I don't read that as if it's a yell anymore. I read it more as just, oh, I'm happy. I'm using a positive tone. And so maybe that's that's me being a, a younger guy as well and just having grown up around that kind of tech speak. And if you're dealing with an older client, maybe they won't get that. But I, I feel like that translates pretty well. Yeah. So I, I really wouldn't worry too much about that element of it as coming off as obnoxious. I would just try and be cognizant of the fact that maybe in a paragraph, you shouldn't end absolutely every single sentence with an exclamation point. Um, that's that's where I said I go back and I pick and choose and try and find my um, which sentences are not going to sound weird for me to then suddenly throw a period in instead of an exclamation point. Just think about what things are you excited about and what things are just the information that you're trying to portray here. Right. Yeah. So uh, the, the next thing that we're, we're, I think that you should focus on here is just talking about um, how to blog effectively. I think that effective blogging is a difficult thing to think about and do. Um, I would say that because even though I don't blog on my website, because I, I agree, it can feel a little bit weird and disingenuous um, to say, I had a great time shooting with this person and they're amazing every single time. Um, I, I think that just making sure that you're finding other things to hammer on that gets your, your message across um, helps to promote the brand and the voice that you want your brand to, to portray is the thing that you should really focus on and just have those little notes of like, Oh, they're a great person. I, I always try and pay attention when I'm talking to a person during a session to what is what is a thing that I can go back and talk about um, them being really happy and energetic. And I'll just say, oh, it was a lovely time shooting with them. They had a lot of energy and made it really fun. Um, so I, I don't I don't really make the whole blog post about how much fun I had shooting with the person. I will talk about other things that are happening in my life. Um, again, if you're doing 
real blogging for the point of SEO and not just for having more content that you're putting out that you can share other places. If you're doing it um, to be found on search engines, I think it's really important to understand how to do keyword research and to write in a way that is going to help you target those keywords. Um, how, how do you feel? Are you doing that right now with your website? Um, or is, is that something that is completely foreign to you doing the keyword research? That uh, is, well, I know the importance of it and that's what I've been going for, but probably not very well because I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Is, is there anything in your mind that you might be able to, to just draw back to? I know I'm putting you on the spot here with that, but is, is there a time where maybe you feel like you're not doing it in an appropriate manner or doing it um, well? Well, the only thing I know to do is to mention a lot of venue names um, is what I've heard for, from like wedding photographers is a good thing to do. So that's what I try to do. But beyond that, I don't really do anything. So I guess and to answer your question, I'm not doing anything very well. Honestly, you're not you're not doing any of the, the keyword research. So um, I, I, I think that mentioning venue names is. Yeah, of course. That's that's important because especially if you're in the wedding photography industry, you want to make sure that you are promoting these places because eventually they will notice and they will maybe cross promote and point people in your direction in the same way that you're essentially pointing them in the or pointing clients in the direction of this venue if they don't have a venue. Um, when, when it comes down to keyword research, I think that... Um, it, it really comes down to looking up the people that are in your area, in your region, and seeing what everybody is um, trying to to target. So if, if you do a Google search for photography in Colorado Springs, um, I, I probably won't show up because I don't try and target photography Colorado Springs because I'm trying to go for a niche. However, if you um, if you look up professional headshots, Colorado Springs, or um, business headshots, Colorado Springs, I'm much more likely to be higher up on that list because I am specifically wanting to target those people. And I have, th I've set up my website. So my website's title is Connor Hibbs Photography, business headshots, individual portraits, or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it is at this point. It's been a little while since I've, since I titled my website. Um, but I did that with the intent of, I want somebody and, it, and I don't think it even says business headshots. I think it says Colorado Springs individual portrait business photographer or something like that. Um, so I'm I'm putting in my my title of my website the kinds of things that I want my website to show up for when somebody researches it. So try and think about the way that you would Google a business like yours and then go in and put in those keywords and see who's showing up and see what their website looks like. And if they are just keywording like crazy and they have tons and tons of stuff, then they're going to be hard, a hard person to compete with. So you say, okay, well, what's similar to this? If I'm, if I'm looking for, I, I didn't even ask you what region of the world you're in. I don't know if I, it's, if you want to specifically say what city you're from. Um, but if it will say, hey, you can tell me if you want to, you don't have to. <laughs> I'm from Kansas, Southwest Kansas, Southwest Kansas. So, so you could, you could do a Google search for Southwest Kansas wedding photographer to start with and see what kinds of websites are, are popping up there and see who is actually blogging, who is research or who is doing stuff. And you can actually look at their websites as a guideline for okay, what kinds of terms are they trying to hit on? Because when you look through a blog, you're going to see, oh, they're going to mention um, 
if they're a film, all film wedding photographer, they're going to mention that a lot. And they're probably trying to target for that. Um, that would not be maybe the best thing to target because not too many clients are going to be searching for specifically film wedding photographers. However, they would be interested in seeing that if they, if they happen on your website and say, Oh, they also shoot all film. That's pretty cool. Um, they might be even more intrigued, but you might find somebody that's looking for that. So I, I would say go about thinking how you want your business to be portrayed and the sorts of things that you specifically want to be known for in, in your wedding photography business. And once you have those ideas, you can start just doing Googling, uh, doing Googling. You can start Googling different things for your region and different combinations. And then writing those down, writing them in a little bucket of uh, filling out a list of just, okay, what things, um, seem to not have nearly as much competition. If you see a lot of stuff that has ads on it right at the top, the first five things that are being brought up are all paid for ads. You know, okay, a lot of people are trying to target this this keyword search here. But if I just do some um, less specific things and uh, or less specific words and I don't see quite so many ads, you say, okay, well, maybe people are going to search for this, but I'm not going to have to compete against other people. So it's going to be easier for me to rank on a Google page that has these specific keywords. And so I would just write down a list of all of the different things that you're finding um, that seem to be, I, I would put a list for things that are, are heavily fought for right now and things that are not so heavily fought for and see which, which of those terms maybe speak to your business the best and start trying to just incorporate that in the way that you write. So you would just write sentences that include whatever Southwestern Kansas, wedding photographer not that again not that that's a great key term to use um but you would use things like that in your blog post and maybe try and center an entire blog post even though it's about lisa and jerry and their their lovely wedding you you would talk about how if you were a film photographer that was all all film you could talk about how oh you know what this role of film that i shot for this wedding didn't quite turn out pro properly but because i am a southwestern kansas film photographer um i really think that light leaks and things like that are super important for imagery that is super unique and gives it a a field that you would not see anywhere else or something like that something that speaks to why you are a unique person in your industry and then also incorporates those keywords that you're trying to target as a part of your blog does that make sense yep it does. So let's let's move on from that. Um, now, now talking just about feeling more authentic to yourself. Is it really just the feeling like you're being annoying and shouting yeah. that you are having a problem with, or is it more like you, you just don't write in the same way that you speak? It's more of a no feeling like I'm being annoying. Uh, yeah. Okay. So so in general, would you say that? You you can try and just get beyond that. I would say honestly that the. the best way to do that is to just write things. Even, even if you're like, ah, this might be annoying. If you write something out and then try and show it to friends, family, of course, they're going to be supportive and positive and happy go lucky. But if you can just run it by some people and say like, does, is there anything about this that is specifically awkward or weird or that I should remove? They, they might be able to give you a few more pointers or insider tips. And if they don't, if they say, no, this, this genuinely sounds great. And aren't just sounding like they're being positive supportive because they want to be positive supportive. If they're, if they're not giving you anything, that's a blaring problem in the way that you've written, then you, that's a pretty good sign that you're probably making things up 
you're probably feeling self-conscious about the way that you write when realistically there's not a problem to be had there. Yeah. So um, now, now let's get on to, to talking about the, the social media portion of this. Um, what is it about the, the social media that you're fighting really hard? Most of the social media is like what to post because generally my default thing that I go to has just been a thank you and then whatever their name is and post a few pictures with them. Um, whereas I see other photographers, even in my town, that will go and post like these great stories with lots of compliments and enthusiasm and stuff like that. And I'm just not very good at that. <laughs> I feel you there. Again, this is... Um... I am one of the photographers that is more like you in that I am not great about thinking about or pulling all of these great little stories and things that are whatever, super personal. Um, but at the same time, I, I would say that in that instance, just because you see somebody else doing that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way that you need to speak to people. Right. Um, so I, I would just consider what feels authentic to what you're talking about. And honestly, uh, as I said, I don't blog on my website, um, but I would really consider if you if any of you follow me on Instagram, I I write on my Instagram. I write blog posts on my Instagram, given you have a character limit, but it's it's hefty. And I have a general structure that I follow. Now, the, the way that I write on Instagram, um, a lot of what I a lot of the people that I interact with on social media are um other photographers, thanks to this podcast. So I actually write in a way that is, it is more trying to speak to the photographers around me because I want to be an authority in that range. But I also find that a lot of people see that, oh man, like he's, he's speaking to other photographers and I really love that you seem to know what you're talking about. And then when people comment on that, so I, I have my own strategy that I've come up with to try and appeal to both sides of, of, what I do as a photographer. Um, but I, I think that one of the things that has really helped me in doing that, that you can definitely take away, even if you're not trying to speak to other photographers is just the idea of having a specific format that you come back to. So the way that my posts break down is I tend, I, have one segment that's just whatever my most recent thought is usually based on, um, being a creative, being in a creative industry. Then from there, I'll talk a little bit about the session and say, thanks to so-and-so. They had a great energy. I really loved them. And thank you to my hair and makeup person or whoever else might've been involved. Then, um, any other announcements that I might have is right below that. Then I have information about my camera settings. Not that I think that that's particularly useful, but that's something that from the photographer side, I kept on getting comments of people asking me um, what my camera settings were for things. So I said, okay, I'm just going to cut this off where it is. I have this kind of interaction. They clearly want that information. I'm going to start posting that in there. And then from there, I talk about how I got my shot and the process that I went into to doing that followed by hashtags. So I have this, this formula that I've developed based on just what I have done in posting. If you go back even a year or two ago, I wasn't doing half of those things. And, and I also saw just as I was doing that, that suddenly I, I started getting more and more interaction. So I, any kind of marketing in this variety, social media is a marketing platform, at least the way that we're talking about using it. And it's, it's part science and part art. And I think that it's really important to pay attention to the fact that there is a science here and you need to experiment. You can't just say, okay, this is going to be the structure that, and start posting that and we're great. I, I would actually think about, okay, well, how can I 
do this. If I'm not the type of person to be shooting and paying attention to the stories that are happening during the wedding day, the, the little things, if I'm not a great storyteller in that way, how could I instead speak to the things that I am really good at. And that can be making a play to authority saying like, Hey, the, these were all the expert. This was a problem that I had um, with my equipment and this is how I tackled it because I wanted to make sure that I, that my couples didn't have to stress at all during their wedding day or something like that. Or, or you could pay attention to the specific story where you say, okay, well, Brad and Lisa, I don't remember what the names I used earlier were, but Brad and Lisa <laughs> broke away at this specific moment and they had a, a loving um, smile and kiss between each other before they had to go back to their family. And it was super adorable. And I was honored to be able to capture this moment and, um, you know, tell a story in that regard. But whatever it is, I, I would just try out a few different things and see what you find is getting the best response from people. If you start getting even just a couple of comments here and there, I'm not saying that people are always right all the time. If it's constantly your mom saying like, this is a cute one, <laughs> that might not be a great indicator that, that that was really a great post that you made. But if you just engage somebody and they, they comment or feel the need to, to say something, you say, okay, well, there was clearly something that I posted in this that made somebody again, on this busy network, stop, stop and read and then care enough to sit and write a comment and not just like a thing. Um, so I, I would just say, play around, find a structure that works for you. So, so just because you don't know right now, doesn't mean that you can't find it, but it just takes putting in that kind of work to find what kind of post works for your brand. Uh, so I see that you do a lot of hashtags as you, yes, that like following or, um, so I, I, I've been having some issues with Instagram as of recent. So I, I think that hashtags on Instagram in particular, um, or uh, Twitter isn't really a, a great network for photographers. Um, but I think that hashtagging really is important because you are going to show up on that hashtags board. So people that post that hashtag, people that just for whatever reason, follow that because they like the kind of work that's posted there are going to notice your work. The biggest problem with Instagram and hashtagging is that you can't use the same hashtags long term. And that's a, a struggle that I am finding out now. Um, I, I've, I've seen it mentioned before that if you post the same hashtags over and over and over again, um, you will get what is called shadow banned. And doing a little bit more research into that, it, it it's not that you get banned from anything. It's just that they will remove your images from that hashtags boards if you're using it too much. Um, so that's another way in which it's kind of similar to doing keyword research. You want to find stuff that is popular, but not super competitive. So if you just type in portrait photography or wedding photography, you're going to have millions of people posting with that hashtag. And that means that on the recently posted section of those hashtags, um, your work is going to show up for a couple of minutes and then it's going to be gone because more, so many people are posting. It's just going to constantly be just bombarded by other people piling on top of your posts and it'll disappear quickly. So the, the trick is to find hashtags that people do look at. So you want things that are, you know, 10 or 15,000 or maybe even up to 50,000 people hashtagging with that. And you just, when you type in a hashtag and put in the whole thing, it'll have a little number next to it, which just tells you how many people are posting that as of recent. Uh, so you just have to go through and try and be creative and think of terms that are going to have to do with your post um, that 
aren't going to be super, super obvious, but are still at least relevant and trying to find a combination there. Anyway, the whole point of this is just to find hashtags that that are relevant to what you're posting about that are also things that you're not using all the time. And that's something that I'm currently struggling with because I, I, one of the biggest things that holds me back from posting regularly on social media, I'm pretty bad about posting regularly on social media. One of the things that holds me up and this is one of my sticking points is just feeling like I don't have the time to do it. I don't have the time to sit there and write this whole format out but I like the format that I have. So I want to continue doing that. And one, the one thing that made it easier was that I was just copying the same hashtags and posting them. And it seemed to be doing well because whenever I would forget those hashtags, I'd realize, Oh yeah, my engagement dropped way, like way, way far down in comparison to having it there. Um, so I, I realized the importance of having hashtags in there. I, I think they're ugly and I don't like them, but they definitely do get engagement. The problem is it just ends up adding another chore onto the pile of things that you need to look into. Okay. I got you. Yeah. I don't like them either, which is why I've never done them, but I've heard that they're like really good. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's all about being strategic. It's it, all of this is marketing and, and marketing is not an exact science but it's something that you have to play around with and find, do some research and look into things and play around with what's working for you and what's not working for you. So when you post to social media, do you let your clients see the pictures before you post or do you just post them and like show them on there? That, that's a really great question. Um, I, I think that my methods versus other people's methods might differ. I know a lot of people that, especially in wedding photography, because you know that well, especially hashtags are an important thing in wedding photography. Now, a lot of younger couples will be, uh, will make up their whatever last name ever after hashtag that people can post their photos to on Instagram. So you can see all everybody's cell phone photos from the day. So I think it's important in that industry to maybe post a photo or two the same day, uh, a few hours afterwards, upload, just find a photo or two that works really well that you can then post and have other people that were a part of that wedding immediately see your work compared to theirs and be able to look back fondly on that. And that's something that I wouldn't necessarily share with the client beforehand because I'm just trying to get this out there as quickly as possible. It's kind of in that instance, a sneak peek of the work that I shot for them. And I, I would usually consult with a, a couple, not the day of way ahead of time when, when talking with them anytime previously and just make sure, Hey, you're okay with me posting stuff to social media really quickly. They have, before you see any of the shots, I just want to be able to share your special moments with everybody as they happen. And in that instance, yeah, I think that you're probably fine to, to post it without having shown them. Okay. However, in my instance, because I'm doing lots of headshots and I'm dealing with with people that oftentimes will be self-conscious about certain things, I try to be very hyper aware of the fact that some people are going to really dislike a certain photo of them, even though it's a great photo. And in that instance, I like to be able to deliver the photos to the person first and then post them. If it's a personal project where I'm doing stuff that's like TFP with a model or something, I don't worry so much about that. Um, I'll, I'll... the day after I've finished an edit, even if I'm going through and editing 10 shots, uh, the day after I will, um, uh, sorry, lost my train of thought there. Um, the the day after I finish an edit, I'll post something and count that 
it's essentially a sneak peek that the person has and tag them and everything. Um, but it, it really just depends. I prefer if it's a client um, to always show it to them first and make sure that they're okay with me posting that particular one or whatever their finals are. Then I know, hey, you're you're done with these. You're good to go. Most clients don't care. They're going to be really excited that you've shared work um, on your social media. In fact, I had a former client whom was a, a rather large pain that I didn't enjoy shooting with. I didn't love the results and didn't speak to my brand very well because they hired me to do something that wasn't really the thing that I like to do. So I didn't want to post their work and I had them contact me six months later and kind of yell at me or like, you didn't even post any of this work on social media. Like what's wrong with me? So you have to be a, a little bit careful sometimes in my instance, because I'm trying to very specifically curate the look on my on my social media and on my website, I end up not posting a lot of the stuff that I shoot. So it, it's really going to just come down to your personal preference and your shooting okay. style. I think with weddings, it would actually behoove you to go about and doing that. Do you have like a pre, uh, I guess a schedule that you would post off of, or do you just post at random when you feel like it? I, I think that that again kind of comes down to the same, the same kind of thing that we were talking about as what we were talking about with the format. Um, I think that, this is something that I do not follow my own best advice here. Um, if I was smart, I would post consistently and regularly. And some people view that as I need to post three times a day, every day of the week. Other people would say I need to post once a week, three times a week. Obviously the more often you post something, the more often you're going to be in front of faces. But I also think that there's a point of diminishing returns where you will be posting so much that people kind of just buzz by your work really quickly. Um, I would say that if you are going to be following best practices, you should definitely set up a schedule for yourself. I, I will try and get myself into the mode sometimes of, you know what, even if it's not my best work, just post consistently. For me, it feels right to post about three times a week. I like the number three in the instance because it looks nice on Instagram. Sometimes I'll post um, up to five from a session if it was a really killer session. And then I will um, intermittently archive and unarchive the um, sessions that have five photos. I'll archive and unarchive a photo or two. So it maintains my grid looking okay. how I want it to. So I'll have three photos across no matter how many posts I am in in a certain week. Um, but that's a personal preference. That's, that's just a weird tick that I have. I want, since I'm posting three photos from any individual session, I want those three photos to be in line and not to have one photo from the session before, and then two photos from the most recent session. And then on the next lineup, there's one photo from that session with two photos from an even more recent session. I like to try and keep all three of them in the same spot. So I will archive and unarchive posts to keep my grid looking nice. But I think that that's almost like a level of obsessive compulsive that um, it, I don't know if it really matters. It just matters to me. So I do it that way. Um, but I think that having, having a regular consistent posting schedule is definitely a very important thing. If you're trying to do the best for yourself, if you're trying to do this as well as you possibly can, having whatever it may be, whether you're saying three times a day or three times a week, having a schedule that you say, I'm going to post this often, I'm going to post right at this time or around this time, every single time, and having that kind of consistency where people can learn to expect work from you at a certain time is a really important factor in um, maintaining a good, solid, strong sound, er, strong brand. Mm -hmm. I got gotcha. you. 
Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today, Caden. Um, again, if anybody has any interest in joining us on the sticking points section of Portrait Session, go over to PortraitSessionPodcast.com and click on the section titled Sticking Points. Thank you so much, guys. Bye-bye. Portrait Session is a part of the Master Photography Podcast Network, which can be found at MasterPhotographyPodcast.com. Our intro music was written and produced by our good friend, Seth Munson. If you like our show, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes to help other photographers find it as well. Past episodes and additional educational content can be found on our show's website at PortraitSessionPodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening.